You are listening to Stand Out on LinkedIn, indispensable truths, tools, and tips, a show designed specifically to help you stand out. This podcast is for everyone looking to maximize their brand, network, career, and business initiatives, meaning finding a job, hiring, selling, and marketing. That pretty much includes most people. My team at Intero will be sharing their expertise and insight to get you one step closer to gaining traction and being a standout on LinkedIn. My team spends hours each day on LinkedIn, assisting companies in developing their brand, finding new talent for job openings, and even creating content to help professionals establish their credibility. The information they share on this podcast reflects what they see and do each day. If you're looking to stand out on LinkedIn, then you've come to the right place. Listen and receive actionable takeaways that you can utilize on LinkedIn to achieve your business and career goals. Welcome to another episode of Stand Out, brought to you by Intero Advisory. I'm Colleen McKenna, and today I'm talking with Larry Eason, a longtime friend and someone I met through LinkedIn, literally through LinkedIn's LinkedIn for Good program. Today, Larry, a social impact strategist, innovator, and consultant, is going to talk about the work he's done, what he's currently doing, and the role that LinkedIn can play in building strategic networks for nonprofits, especially, and also startups, and then just for everybody else, right? So welcome, Larry. It's great to see you. Thank you, Colleen. It's so great to be here. I'm excited about the conversation. So thank you very much. We have had conversations literally on and off for 11 years because we met early 2011 through... Mark Helpert, Brian Breckenridge in a program called LinkedIn for Good. And you know way more about this program. I was invited in and definitely (laughs) participated, but I think you were really one of the first people to be a part of this group. So can you share a little bit about how that started and Brian Breckenridge and a little bit of context? Sure. And yes, it's been a long, long time and, you know, it's evolved quite a bit. I think just to start, I should say that, you know, before LinkedIn launched LinkedIn for Good, again, about 10 years ago, I was already using LinkedIn for some of my clients, you know, basically as a strategic networking platform. And we'll come back to that because I want to focus in on your question. But when LinkedIn stood up its nonprofit, you know, facing program, LinkedIn for Good, and Brian Breckenridge, you know, joined the team, I reached out, you know, immediately to, I didn't know Brian. I knew a a friend of his that I found through LinkedIn, (laughs) that connection, right? And I reached out to her and I said, you know, here's the work I'm doing. Here's an example of a strategy I'm working on with the client. I'd love to, to meet Brian. Would you make an introduction? And within a few minutes, uh, she had sent him the intro. I sent Brian a note and he and I just happened, I was in California at the time and he just happened to be in Boston. He was from California, but we were both in Boston at the same time and met up for uh, breakfast. And we were attached to the hip for about you know six, seven, eight years after that. And so, you know, they, they did an excellent job, I think, of uh, focusing in on the nonprofit sector and sort of within the context of the business that, that they were running back, you know, back then it was really focused on recruiting and HR and, and, and really looking for talent. Um, but over time, you know, they've obviously evolved the platform uh, for businesses and for nonprofits. And again, we'll talk about that, but, you know, that, that's how they got started. And Brian, you know, wisely was looking for folks in the nonprofit world who, you know, had large networks and were interested in uh, LinkedIn and what they were doing. And that's how we got connected. Um, And, you know, the rest is is history, as they say. So did you end up taking Brian to some of your nonprofit clients? Did you really introduce him around? Yeah, it was an interesting, uh, you know, it was an interesting time. There, there were others, um, you know, li- like me who were doing work with with LinkedIn and, and nonprofits. But my strategy, and this gets back to this, you know, how you think about relationships and relationship building, you know, I'm always trying to figure out, well, how can I be helpful to this person? I mean, so I've just met Brian. I know he's trying to build, you know, this program at LinkedIn um, so my instinct was to figure out, well, how can I be most helpful? 
So I said, Brian, let's go to Washington, D.C. and spend you know, a week there. And let me introduce you around to all the people that I know in Washington um, that I think you know, should be using LinkedIn because the platform is so powerful. That'll be helpful to you. It'll be helpful to me. And, and it was. It was a total win-win. We did the same thing in the Bay Area, the same thing in Los Angeles. Um, and again, that sort of cemented you know, the relationship. I brought some of the, you know, the largest clients, uh, nonprofit clients to LinkedIn, and they brought me some unbelievably exciting and interesting projects over the years. Um, so it's very symbiotic, but I never asked for, you know, anything in, in return. And, and I got things in return, but not, you know, not, re- not financial remuneration. But anyway, it's just, it was a really wonderful symbiotic relationship. So that's the ideal situation for what I call center of influence work, right? Being not only identifying centers of influence, so Brian can be a center of influence, but being a center of influence. And that's what you were for Brian. And just the great work that can come out of that by just being thoughtful and being the first person to initiate an introduction. You never know what's going to occur. And that's sort of the serendipitous beauty of LinkedIn. Yes, and that's exactly right. And, and gives me an opportunity to, to, uh, to bring up your blog post from this weekend and say thank you for it. It was really, I, I, and I, I wrote immediately on LinkedIn um, and shared and, and just said how much I look forward to these you know, Saturday morning posts from, from Intero. Um, but I thought this one was particularly useful and fun and interesting right before we, you know, we recorded this podcast. But, you know, the idea of, you know, beginner's mind and, and you know, going into every situation and every, um, you know, even conversation and being comfortable, not knowing what's going to come out of it. I said, let me take you to D.C., you know, Brian, and introduce you around. I had no idea, you know, who, who what meetings I would be able to land, et cetera. Um, but I felt confident, you know, that in those relationships, obviously, and I really, really believed that LinkedIn was super important. Um, I think that's even more so, you know, more true today. But um, anyway, thank you for a wonderful blog post. And everybody listening to this podcast should go read it because it was really exceptional. That was January 8th, Saturday, January 8th. Thank you. Yes, it's a new look on our content. So I'm going to go really deep on these themes. And and this podcast, this conversation is really lending itself, I think, both to January, you know, mindset, and then what we'll be talking about in February, which is personal branding. So I'm really curious because you said something, you know, you started working in LinkedIn 2010, probably 2009. I don't know. You and I were both early adopters of LinkedIn and we saw the power of it. Do you believe that the nonprofit world has kept up with and really taken advantage of the power of LinkedIn over these years? Where do you sort of see the state of the union on, on how nonprofits use LinkedIn from the early days till now? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's better, but not a whole lot better. Um, and I think it's because, well, let me just say what I mean by, by better. You know, back when we started you, you would say, you know, I'm working with LinkedIn and I want to have a conversation with you. And people would say, why? You know, mm-hmm. Facebook, Twitter, even MySpace back in, the, right? And mm-hmm. so it did, it was, it, you know, they were surprised. And, and you know, I think like you, I saw LinkedIn at, you know, where are people going to do their serious networking? Where are they going to do their serious relationship building? And that's what interested me. And I just felt like LinkedIn was going to be the place where that was going to take place for all kinds of reasons we could get into. And I think that bet, you know, that bet played out. Um, and so in the early days, people weren't even sure. They were like, you know, there was a lot of head scratching, right? And and even over the course of the first, you know, five, uh, you know, five years or so, there was a lot of explaining. You don't really have to explain anymore to people why LinkedIn is important. Now it's more a question of, you know, thinking strategically about it, being intentional about it, um, getting over the excuses for not doing it, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And those range from everything from I'm too busy to I'm I'm afraid, you know, um, and and to know what to do. So, but I think things are better than than they were uh, ten years ago because everybody's really on LinkedIn. But most organizations are still really not using LinkedIn strategically. They're not using it um, to to build their 
most of their mission, I call them the mission critical relationships, right? If I'm running a nonprofit, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be doing funding. I want visibility. I need to recruit the best talent and leadership. I need to recruit and mobilize my board. I might be doing advocacy and influence. If I'm running an association, I'm trying to connect members, you know, all over the country geographically or whatever it might be. I mean, in all of these different areas, your those are your mission critical relationships and partners. I might be going after partners, um, and LinkedIn and, and a strategic n- network is critical for all those things. Um, and most organizations just you know they're 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 not they're not there yet. So that's good for you and me because there's a lot of work to be done. <laughs> um, but I would love to have seen us advance uh, a lot more. Does that make sense? One hundred percent. I hear that almost every day you know, maybe different constituencies and stakeholders um, in the for-profit world, but it really is is the same. And I think it goes back to building a strategy and getting people to think about, well, this isn't just social media. It is actually a business tool. And, you know, I've always said that that's sort of our kind of, you know, um, tagline, it's business, not social. It is our tagline. It's business, not social. Because what I saw very early on, Larry, is I would be in front of CEOs and they would have their, you know, I'm probably more in person at that time than certainly I am now, but they'd have their arms crossed and they'd be like, I hate social media. Okay. What if I told you we weren't going to talk about social media? What if I told you we're going to talk about LinkedIn as a business tool and ways to build strategic networks and stand out and differentiate and build top of the funnel pipelines for sales and recruiting? Well, literally, you could see their nonverbal change, right? Right for you. And so sometimes it's the language we use. Sometimes it's the sort of the bias that they come to the conversation with because they just don't know enough about LinkedIn and understand it's the power behind it, you know, and, and they really haven't taken the time to understand that, which I totally get. Again, time is a constraint for, for, for everyone. So when you think about this idea, because the other part of where you come from and where you've invested your uh, professional career is in technology, right? So it's this overlap of technology and building these strategic networks. Um, Do you ever get an aha moment when you actually look at the network with that CEO, that executive director, or, you know, the head of development or chairman of the board? Yeah, absolutely. It happens. uh, It it actually happens all all the time. Um, And it's usually when, I mean, I'm going to share some things that that we we know in common, right? It's that every nonprofit organization already has an incredibly powerful network of relationships, and I'm talking about real the real world relationships, like the people that I've worked, the people that I know, the people I've met at conferences. You know, like real relationships. Technology doesn't replace the importance of those relationships. It just supercharges our ability to build them, to maintain them. To and to leverage them over over time, um, and to be helpful and to to make our network more and more powerful, which you know maybe again we can come back to. But and so that's the starting point is that nonprofit organizations they already have this incredibly powerful network. LinkedIn basically just you know maps that, and it's kind of like you know it, it's kind of like lighting up the map, and all of a sudden you know I can see the relationships that my organization has. Like <clears throat> when when I'm when I'm talking to somebody the first time, often I'll, I'll, I'll just give this as an example. Let's say I'm going to New York and I'm going to do a couple of days of meetings in New York. I, I can't remember all the people I know in, in New York City. I have no idea. And, and what are they doing today? And, and how do I get into contact with them? And, and what moves have, have they made, et cetera? I cannot remember that. So going on to LinkedIn, I can find all the folks. In, and if I'm going there to do meetings around humanitarian issues and fundraising or whatever it might be, I can find people that are relevant to that specific thing by using the powerful LinkedIn search tools. But I certainly, I don't know who, who I know in, in, in New York, but I also, I don't know who they know, right? And so those secondary connections become so important. And so that's usually where the aha moment comes in. You know, when you're talking to a, a CEO or executive director of organization and you get them to realize that, you know, if you're, if you're trying to raise money or you're trying to recruit a, a, a board member, 
um, or looking for staff and figuring out how you're connected to that incredible person that you want to recruit to join the staff or the board, having, you know, a connected and interconnected LinkedIn network, I mean, it, it's just, it's incredibly powerful. Um, and so that, that aha moment comes on. And like you, you know, it's never been social. I've never thought of LinkedIn as being anything like Facebook or Twitter or any of the other social networks. It's just a, it's a strategic networking business platform. And that's how I talk about it. And that's how I've always used it. So there's a couple of things that come to mind. Number one, you have been really up until now when you're on the East Coast, uh, Richmond, yeah. but for the entire time I've known you, you've been on the West Coast and you're a West Coast guy, right? The, yeah. like born and bred. However, your network, you designed to cover the entire country, correct? Your yeah. network is not... LA centric or California centric. And did you do that from the outset? Well, I mean, some of that was just organic, Colleen, just, just because when I, my first 17 years of my career worked for a nonprofit organization and it was, it was an affiliate model. There were state organizations all over the country and I would go out in the road. I I ran a, a, a campaign and fundraising operation nationwide. And so I had staff all over the country and I traveled a lot and I spent a ton of time in the road. So organically I had relationships, um, you know, all over uh, the country, but you know, I always remembered um, a conversation that I had with the the leader. This was in, I'm going to date myself now. So this is in 1986, I think, or 87, and I'm having dinner with the person that runs this you know affiliated this 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 network of organizations. And he says to a bunch of us, real junior staff members, and he says, you know, you really should get to know the beat reporters and the the you know these the volunteer just the the entry level people because someday they're going to be running the country. You know, and at the time I was like, yeah, he's just trying to get us all pumped up. You know, that's that's a lot of fluff. But then obviously at some point I realized, oh, my gosh, that's incredibly true. And the thing is, back then, how did we keep in touch with people? We had a Rolodex. You know, you got the business card, went in the Rolodex. And, you know, a few, few years later, it's totally out of date. You had to keep it up yourself, et cetera. And now LinkedIn, it's like everyone that I know is keeping their own information up to date. They're sharing information with us on a daily basis about what they care about, groups they belong to, you know, et cetera. Their networks are becoming more and more powerful. And all that is available to nonprofits and professionals just by making sure that you're connected, not just to people that, you know, we meet today, the folks that we met at the conference last week, but the people that we've been working with for the last, you know, 20, 30 years. So to bring it back to your question, that's how that network has grown to be sort of a national and international network. It's really was organic from relationships that I built over over time. So that advice must have really just woven its way into your DNA, because I remember a conversation we had probably, I don't know, maybe five, six years ago, where you said that you pretty much reply to almost everybody on LinkedIn that reaches out to you. Yeah. Yeah. Do you still? Yes, I do. People ask you and me all the time, should I accept all these invitations? You know, and, and then that becomes complicated. When, for, so I was doing startup work. I'm back consulting. And I'm really excited about it. That's one of the reasons this conversation is the timing of it is so fun. But I've been doing startup work, work for the last you know, uh, few years. And I was ex- executive vice president of a, of a startup. And so that because that's a lot of sales calls. Um, mm-hmm. But even through all of that, I responded to, to basically everyone who reached out to me. And either, you know, I would accept the, the invitation if there was, if they made a case for it, or if, if there was a real good strategic reason, but usually if I didn't know them, I would at least respond back and, and ask them the question, you know, why are you reaching out? I really appreciate, you know, trying to be, you know, kind and generous about it rather than, you know, hey, I don't like being connect, you know, I don't like a connection request from somebody that, that I don't know. You really never know. Um, what's going to come of these conversations. And I can definitely share examples where, you know, that kind of quote unquote cold, you know, cold outreach turned into a really vibrant and meaningful relationship with somebody. So yeah, I still respond to every uh, LinkedIn request and every, you know, every person who reaches out to me and, and maybe those have gotten shorter over time as I've gotten busier, but I do try to do that. All right, I'll you share one great example of somebody you met cold through LinkedIn, and I'll share one of mine. 
All right, you start because I'm gonna have to. I, I'm gonna have to to go back into my memory banks, and I, as I get older, that gets harder, uh, harder and harder to do. So this was actually a phone conversation. I got a phone call in 2017 about from somebody named Bob Miller. And Bob Miller said, hey, do you know who I am? And I was a little bit, you know, like, uh, well, there's probably more than one of you. And it was Bob Miller from Miller Hyman, which at the time is now owned by Corn Ferry. But it, at the time he had sold and it was the Miller Hyman group. Um, before that, it was just Miller Hyman, the, probably the gold star in sales training worldwide. And he was the one of the founders. And he said, um, somebody told me, one of my connections told me I needed to talk to you about a LinkedIn pro- profile. We did his LinkedIn profile. And he and I spoke every three weeks for three years. And we spoke up until probably four weeks before he passed away at 88. Um, he was an incredible mentor. He was an incredible person. He, as you know, he, as if you look at his LinkedIn profile, it, which is still online, he said that he's trained, he trained more people than anyone else on planet earth. I definitely believe that. And he loved how LinkedIn fit into the whole sales training, digital skills. He was just fabulous. He was just the most fascinating person at 88. He had, he just could tell stories from training, you know, people all over the world as though he had just trained them yesterday. So one of my favorite relationships he didn't reach out to me on LinkedIn, but it was definitely a LinkedIn connection and um, became one of my favorite, favorite people in the world. Wow. That's, that's a, that's a lovely story that I, you know, probably the example I, I, if I went back and spent a little time thinking about this question, sure. I really, I, I, I said I could come, come up with them <laughs> a little bit harder, but the, the example that 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 I'll I'll give, and we could round this up out some other time. Is you know I did some really fun work. I, I love social venture partners. You know, really an, an extraordinary model. And I actually we were I was the chair of the board of an organization, Healthy Child, Healthy World, back in 2007, 2008. Anyway, we we were a grantee, and and uh, I I just I love the model and really appreciate it. And I somebody reached out to me from social venture partners, and I. I don't have permission to talk about it here, so I'm not gonna. I won't name names, but um, and you know, asking um, you know, just totally out of the blue. But I recognized that it was you know, social venture partners, and even though they didn't mention that, you know, I saw that when I looked at their profile and made the connection, and you know, that led to a you know, really interesting project uh, that I ended up doing, um, and getting a chance to meet the founder of Social Venture Partners and build a long-term you know relationship w- with him. Um, and again, so it's, it was one of those things where, you know, I got a link, I got a request in, you know, via LinkedIn, somebody, you know, that, that didn't actually make that connection. Um, but I, instead of just rejecting it, cause I didn't know who the person was, never met them. I took a look, made that connection and, you know, it turned into a really great relationship that lasted for, you know, it continues to this day, but also led to some really, really interesting work and to me, you know, having the opportunity to meet the founder and get to know a bunch of other folks within that network. And then the whole social venture thing, social venture partners thing has been helpful in, you know, just about every role that I've had since I met them and, and did this project with them. So again, going, going back to your blog post from this weekend at Beginner's Mind, it's like, you just never know where any of these things are going to head. Mm-hmm. And, and I do, I mean, I've seen it. I've seen it with our clients. I've seen it with us. When someone comes and they review your LinkedIn profile, they, they have a sense of who you are, how you can potentially help them. It really does shorten the the, conver- the cycle, right? Whether it's a sales cycle, um, a talent acquisition cycle, whatever it might be. Um, I remember years ago, I was working with an attorney who was a little bit like, I don't know about this whole LinkedIn thing, but I think I need a LinkedIn profile. And this was probably seven, eight years ago when we built his profile. And I remember getting a note from him about two weeks later saying, wow, I just had someone come down from New York City. We had lunch. This person literally pulled out my LinkedIn profile, said, well, your background, because he he did a lot of um, philanthropy, a lot of volunteer work in the area. And, you know, he said it just jumpstarted the conversation in a way that I was not used to, but enabled us to kind of get to why we were really meeting Mm -hmm. faster. 
right? And I don't know that people are still printing out somebody's, uh, the PDF version of somebody's LinkedIn profile uh, these days. However, pull it up on their, you know, um, on their mobile device or just reference it. But he was so surprised. And I think that people overlook that, right? So many people have these very anemic and in leadership included anemic profiles for for want of another word. And don't realize the value and the credibility that they can convey to jumpstart that conversation with somebody who's already seemingly interested in knowing that person. Yeah. Thoughts on that? A couple. That's it's really fun. So one of the startups that I was uh, supporting over the last, you know, during the pandemic over the last year and a half um, works closely with, so it's a startup, but it worked in the technology space, but it works with foundations and nonprofits. And, and a lot of times when I'm talking with nonprofit leaders, they're, well, you know, how much is it used in our industry? Again, less so than, you know, four years ago or 10 years ago, but definitely it still, it still comes up. And almost to a person, you know, that those folks would be looking at me and my profile and my background. I'm looking at them and their profile and that back and their background. And again, on the, both on the nonprofit side and on the foundation side, and everybody then comes to that conversation more informed. And then, as you know, sometimes that process is a part of making the determination of whether or not you even you're going to have that conversation. And I have an, so a fun, fun example of from, from even from this morning. And I think this is also kind of gets back to one of the first things I mentioned this morning, but just when you're building relationships, you know, a lot of people say, I hate networking. I hate, I don't like networking. I don't, you know, I hate it. Right. And it's like, that's because we're not thinking because we've, we've been trained to think about it as like glad handing, you know, go out there and, you know, go out there and meet people and get something out of it. And, you know, and that's not, what it's about. It's you go, you meet people and you look for opportunities to be of service to them. Um, you look for win-win opportunities. Um, you meet people because you love humans and you just want to get to, you know, you want to get to know people um, and you're joyful to learn about their hobbies and their loves and their children. Right. And so that's what, that's what networking is. <clears throat> and so, you know, for me, like finding a way to be helpful to people right off the bat um, is really important. And, and I think the Brian Breckenridge example is a, is a good one, but even over time. So an old friend of mine, as I'm going back into consulting, I'm reconnecting with a lot of folks that I've worked with in the past. And Peter Heller um, is a fantastic capital uh, fund. He's got a a firm, um, the Heller Group, and and does uh, fundraising, capital fundraising. And so we reconnected over the course of the last couple of weeks, had a couple of conversations. And out of that, I'm, you know, I'm introducing him to some folks. He's introducing me me to some folks. And I just got a note this, you know, a wonderful note this morning from, from him you know, saying, hey, you know, I'm introduce, I'm introducing to this person. They've looked at your LinkedIn profile. They've seen what you do and, 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 and they're interested in, in, uh, in having a conversation and, and getting to, you know, getting to know you. You know, here's the introduction. And that's a couple things. So that's an example of what you're talking about, the power of the profile. Um, and it's also an example of, you know, Peter going out of his way to be helpful to me, you know, and, and who knows where it's, he's not doing that to get business for himself, right? And this is the way it should be done, in my view. 100%. I mean, I believe inherently people want to help other people. Yeah. You know, I just, if I if I didn't think that, this would, this would be really hard to do. I, I believe that. I see it every day. I see introductions being made. I... Um, I'm the beneficiary of introductions. It's it's really why we're we're in business, um, and and I am so grateful for each of those. But it is again going back to you know our January blog post. It is a mindset. It is saying, okay, I'm going to take the first step. I want to make sure that people understand who I am, the work that I do, and I do really love your LinkedIn profile because there's another piece that I want to kind of bring up, which is your ethos, the whole philosophy of the work that you've done over your career has been incredibly consistent, whether it's been for startups or nonprofits, right? It's still best principles and practices for engaging others and and reaching business outcomes. Would you agree with that? Yes. And how you blend that together on your LinkedIn profile makes so much sense. So I would encourage everyone to 
look at Larry's LinkedIn profile, connect with him certainly as well, but look at his LinkedIn profile to see how he's woven this all together. And and I think it's in a really authentic way in listening to this conversation and looking at Larry's profile, it should all make sense. He sounds like the person he is. So he sounds online just as he is and showing up on a podcast or in person. And I think that that's really also something that a lot of times people don't get just right and takes a little bit of finessing and continual updating. So my little long-winded there, but what are your thoughts on that, Larry? Well, first of all, I appreciate that. Thank you. You know, it's it's always you know difficult to write <laughs> to write about yourself. Mm-hmm. One, of the, one of the benefits of working with uh, with a, with a, with a, uh, experts in a firm like yours is to have that um, additional support. But I, I really ap- I appreciate that. Um, and yes, I mean, I, I agree. It's for for folks to have, and again, le- leaders in particular, it's such a missed opportunity. I I tell people that. Your LinkedIn profile, it's like a microsite for, for, you, for you as a professional. It's such an opportunity. And with all the rich media that you can share as well, to share that in ways that, that really, you know, in, engage people. But at the very least, you know, tell people the impact that you've had in each of these different roles, each of these places, just like you would on the resume. It's not a place to list, you know, um, where nobody cares so much about where you've worked. They want to know what you've done and the impact that you've had. And it's such an incredible opportunity to tell that, you know, to tell that story. And then I, I do encourage people if, and it's not always, you know, it's usually possible, not always possible, but to try to, to tell a story, to, to weave, you know, that narrative so that people understand. I want people to, if that when they look at my profile to come up, they certainly should know I'm dedicated to social impact and trying to make the world a better place. And that's what I've done with my career. But I've also been an innovator, you know, um, a technology innovator uh, over time, you know, just building building teams and loving to work with people. And so if, if they don't come away from looking at my profile with those things, you know, in their minds about me, then I'm, I've, I have failed, right? But I definitely, every once in a while, I go back and I see missed opportunities or I see where, you know, where it's, it's, it's weak. So anyway, yes, I agree with you 100%. And it's, and, and it's a place where... I think we could be really, really helpful to organizations and, and leaders. And when you think about coming out of the startup world that you've really been a part of for the last few years, how do you think that perspective adds greater value to your conversations you're having now with nonprofits? It's a couple things. One is just, um, and I we do this in the nonprofit uh, world as well, but I think there's something about the startup world where you, 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 first of all, you, you have to do everything and wear every hat and there's just sort of a grit to it that's, that's, that's required in order to just make it and to be successful. I honed that, <laughs> you know, I, I always, I was an organizer. I knocked on doors and raised money. I mean, I've always been an in the trenches kind of person. And I say on my LinkedIn profile, I'm a, I'm a hands-on uh, leader, but, um, but, you know, I've written more in the last five and a half, six years than I have in the last 20. I mean, really just, you know, hands-on and, you know, we, we ended up, it's a long story and I won't tell it here, but, you know, we ended up leading Good Morning America's coverage of, of CES with our, our nanotechnology, uh, our, our gas sensor for air quality back in 2008 or 2018, sorry. And that was just a total story of networking on LinkedIn and just having the, the, you know, the, the, the willingness to, to reach out and, and, and not know what the outcome was going to be. And I mean, it's a long story and I won't tell it here, but, but um, so I, I learned a lot of those skills and I'm bringing them back to the nonprofit sector. And, and so that's kind of, that's, you know, that's um, I think a part of it. One of the great, uh, it's an old article, but a really terrific article by a guy named Michael Simmons. Um, and it's called being the most connected is a vanity metric and it's on Forbes and it's, you know, it's definitely worth looking up. And in that article, he talks about the most important thing with your network isn't being the most connected within your own area, but being the hub to be able to connect people, you know, in business, in government, uh, in startups and nonprofits and foundations to be the hub. And the, the importance of those sort of weak ties versus strong ties, a very interesting article. And he used, again, interestingly, uses Kathy Calvin as the example. And back then she was the, the, the CEO of the United Nations Foundation. 
And so that's another way in which, you know, the work that I've done in this in the in the startup world, in the business world, um, I think has been super helpful to me on the nonprofit side. And I've always found that to be the case. So some of the folks that I'm working with now, you know, they're interested in connecting with people who are social impact investors. And I got to know that part of the community through my work uh, in startups and, and business over the last, you know, eight years or so. So that's another example of how I think it's 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 interesting and helpful and useful and value, valuable. And also just, I think, a really important lesson, especially for leaders within organizations, is you know, to be thinking not only about their own networks in that way, but about their leadership team in that way and really encouraging people um, to reach out and have you know, networks across you know, different domains, not just have a big, big network. You know, if you know all the fundraisers, well, that's, that's great, but you know, how is that gonna connect your organization to new opportunities? I'd love that. I think it's really such a great topic, this whole idea of weak ties. Um, I'm probably not going to get this right, but I think that there was a lot of research on this, and I'll pull this up for the show notes. But in 1967, Philip Brown, who's a client of ours in Frederick, Maryland, he is the president of a company called Phoenix Meccano. Fabulous guy. Absolutely great guy and leader, as I might add, he's done really great work. He shared this article with me when I first started working with he and his team a couple of years ago, and I reference it in my book, but it's fascinating, this whole, and I think he did his um, doctoral thesis on this topic of weak ties. Mm -hmm. And And I think it's really, really fascinating because sometimes people will say to me, well, should I clean out my network? And sometimes I'm like, yeah, you do, do need to clean out your network, but you, again, don't want to have an anemic network because you do need people in different areas. And it's that second level connection that ultimately might become a first level connection that's really, really powerful, right? So thinking a little bit beyond those first level connections is so important. And the idea of weak ties and how they get brought into a network, I think is absolutely fascinating. And I think it's essential for the power of LinkedIn specifically on the, in the, in the nonprofit social impact space. Um, because again, whether you're raising money or you're looking for new partners to support your mission, or you're, you know, looking for, to recruit board members, those secondary connections can, you know, can, can be, you know, basically the most, that, that can be the most powerful thing. Cause you know who, you know, right. But who, who do those people know? Um, and those are probably the folks that you want to reach out and try to connect with. And so one of the first places where we get started on the, you know, when I'm working with a nonprofit organization is, um, I mean, obviously we, we get the basics, like the company page and the, and the, the leadership profiles, you know, looking as good as possible as quickly as we can, but just getting that team to be interconnected with one another so that folks who are doing these searches and trying to find that board member or try to find, you know, a leader, fill a leadership position, find a foundation that's interested in their work, et cetera, um, that you can actually see those relationships. Because if I'm, you know, you and I know each other, we've done a lot of stuff together, but if we're not connected on LinkedIn, I, I can't see those secondary connections that you have. Um, and those, you know, it, interest, I'm trying to remember the, the name of the, oh, O'Reilly, he, he coined the term Web 2.0. Um, Tim O'Reilly, and he said famously, um, again, about 10 years ago, when you add somebody on LinkedIn, <clears throat> you're not adding, you're, you're increasing your surface area. Right? And I thought that was such an interesting way of thinking about it. You're not adding one, you know, one person like, okay, now I'm connected to Colleen. I know all the things that you, what, that you do, but I'm actually adding your network of relationships. Now we have to be careful about that. And so, and how we ask for an introduction. And again, that, that, that the first thing that I do when I get connected with you, you know, when the person, the person that Peter introduced me to, and I do a zoom call with them next week, I, the first thing I do, isn't going to ask for a favor, right? I'm not going right. to try to find a way I can be of service. Right. But that's, I think a really critical point. So those secondary connections, those weak ties are, are really, really essential for leveraging. I mean, it's really the reason why, mapping your network on a platform like like LinkedIn is so incredibly powerful. It's because of the search tools and the ability to have that just-in-time network when you're heading to New York and you want to meet with people who are interested in humanitarian issues and are giving away money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I think there's there's so much around that and that whole mapping of, of the network. And 
when we download with clients their networks and start to look at them and break them apart and start to identify opportunities and gaps. And I'm always like very clear, let's encourage here the, the gaps we need to turn into opportunities, right? So the action is, okay, I'm missing a whole really important group of people I'm not connected to that I'm supposed to be connected to. And, you know, in our world with a lot of sales teams, very often it's their top clients. We're like, well, I talk to them all the time. I'm like, oh, I totally get that. I totally understand. Again, going back to, I think I'm going to use that. We need to increase your surface area, right? And, you know, the whole idea is you can talk to them every day, but it's one-to-one. We, we want you to be able to see who those people are connected with as well. So I really, I really love that um, as a term because I think I'm going to have to start using that. I probably should read that article. Can I, I'm going to want to give you the, um, I actually think he said it at a LinkedIn event, if I remember correctly, but the nonprofit equivalent of that, and again, this is something that we do that I've done many times with, with, with clients is to step back um, again, after you've done that initial work, the profiles, the company page, and actually making sure that folks are interconnected and, and, and you build a narrative around why are we doing this on LinkedIn? So the whole team knows um, what we're doing and why we're doing it is then to step back and do the strategic relationship building. And that's where we, we, we sit down and work together and say, okay, who are the 50 people that should know us that don't know us? Or where we have a, you know, they, they know who we are, but we don't have a relationship there. And let's build, let's take the next year to build those relationships using the senior team, figure out who knows, you know, who are the right folks to to have those conversations and sit down back pre-COVID. It's like sit down over breakfast or lunch or whatever, and start to get to know those people before we need their help. Who are those people? So that when the time comes, when the bill is in, 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 in front of the committee, or when I need to ask for, you know, you know, an introduction to that foundation or whatever, we already have a relationship. And I, I've done something for them. They know who we are. And it's not, you know, it's not just me coming to them, getting, you know, meeting them and saying, hey, it's great to meet you. I, I need a favor. And that's an incredibly powerful exercise because organizations actually love doing that. They just rarely do it. But when you do that kind of exercise with, with, with a purpose and you know that the end result is going to be so powerful, you're going to be connected to them, connected to them on LinkedIn. You're going to have a more powerful relationship with them. You know, that actually becomes a real motivator for sitting down with the team and actually going through and figuring that, um, you know, figuring that out. So that's something that I love doing. And I think is, you know, you know basically the nonprofit equivalent to what you were saying. Something that you mentioned really, really, really important. You said, let's get to know those people over the next year. Something I'm paraphrasing, but that's yeah. what you said. Long term, right? Not, not, well, we have to do something in the next three weeks because we have a deadline. And so, really different. Um, this is long-term and Larry's talking about this and I, and I hear you saying this, okay, we're going to do this over the next 12 months, as opposed to, I have a deadline. I have an event. I have some, so some sort of milestone that's occurring within four to six weeks. And I need, and I don't have the people that I know to help me reach that milestone. Very, very different scenario and much more likely to be successful hitting that milestone if you build it out over the long term, your thoughts on that, Larry? Yeah, I mean, I agree a hundred percent. On the other hand, I will I will also say that just doing the basics is helpful immediately. If, mm-hmm. if you if if somebody goes in and they enhance their their LinkedIn profile and they connect with a few folks that they've known and worked with over the last few years that just never bothered to reach out to on LinkedIn, that that probably will help them tomorrow. Um, because somebody's going to be looking at your profile. Um, and so um, I think both things are true. And so when, when we get folks connected, you know, and interconnected in their network and the leadership are using LinkedIn strategically, you know, that can yield some quick results um, because all of a sudden we're looking for staff and we see those connections and we have the right person reach out instead of the wrong person reaching out, et cetera. But if you're thinking about you know, the long-term power building, the long-term organization building, long-term influence and visibility, yes, it, it's essential to give yourself the time and to think about those relationships as being, you know, again, something that you're developing over a longer period of time. Um, yeah, I, I do. Give yourself permission, you know, instead of like, 
I'm, I'm, I don't have to get something out of this right away for it to be worthwhile. Correct. Absolutely. And, and I do think there are short-term goals, long-term goals, and, but thinking about how it's woven into the overarching long-term strategy for the organization is really, really important. Before we wrap up, I would be uh, remiss if I didn't ask you, can you share a couple of good examples of nonprofits that you think have kind of really hit it and are spot on on LinkedIn? That's always a hard, that's a hard one, but, but there are, there definitely are some. Um, and I'll, I'll, I'll just mention two right away. Um, and one is the, the Nature Conservancy. Um, and actually, I, I think we may have some, uh, some friends in common there, but they, they've done a really good job, I think, of both creating uh, a really strong LinkedIn presence and then posting um, very, very regular, regularly, which, as you know, you know, keeps you top of mind. Um, you know, they're a large organization with a lot of resources. And so I'm sure they have a, a big team that's doing a lot of that work, but they, they're, they're doing a really, uh, a really terrific job. And they use LinkedIn for recruitment. They're, you know, I'm sure they're using it for, you know, on the development side as well. Um, and so, you know, it makes sense, right? But the Nature Conservancy is, is one. There might be other folks who are listening are going, well, <laughs> no, I I'm not a huge organization. The other one is, is the National Urban Fellows. And that's an organization that I worked with years ago and to help them to build sort of a talent network um, utilizing uh, LinkedIn. And they, are, they, they do an incredible program where they sort of bring mid-career uh, professionals into National Urban Fellows and basically put them through a year-long program and, you know, really, really exceptional program. They have done a terrific job. They have a new leader, Lisa Rawlings, and as the CEO, and have done a fantastic job basically talking about the work that they're doing, talk about the successes that they've, that they've had. They have an enormous uh, alumni network of folks who have gone through the program. And one of the promises of the program is that when you graduate, you know, through from the National Urban Fellows, um, as a fellow, you graduate into this, you know, this really influential network, and it is extremely influential. And LinkedIn helps them to deliver on that prom promise. And so, but they've done a really great job of lifting up those stories of the successful alumni. They've done a fantastic job of lifting up the new class that's coming in to go through the, the program for the next year, um, talking about their fundraising successes over the last, you know, the, the last year or so. So, you know, that they're they're a terrific example, I think, of an organization that's, you know, that's much smaller than, than the Nature Conservancy, but using uh, LinkedIn, you know, very, very strategically. So I give a I'll I'll leave it at that for, for right now. And, and I think it's important. Um, years ago, I did some webinars for small nonprofits, and I and I would encourage them by saying, go look at different size nonprofits mm -hmm. and see what they're doing on LinkedIn. Even though you might be, you know, a ten-person nonprofit, you can still listen and watch and see what these much larger nonprofits are doing, and and just kind of put it in scale to what you can accomplish, but start somewhere, but understand how they're using the platform. Because I think that that can be really beneficial for that smaller nonprofit. I think everybody can begin somewhere and it's about being consistent to be effective, right? And for the leadership of, whether it's a nonprofit, a startup, a very established you know, company in a very mature industry, regardless, having an open mind and approaching LinkedIn with, I'm maybe not sure what I'm going to find, but there's a whole lot of value here for building these strategic networks, having us stand out um, and differentiate our organization so that we can find talent, retain talent, develop talent, and find new business opportunities. So this, we could talk forever in the, like the whole alumni thing that you just brought up. Wow. I can, we could talk for half an hour on alumni networks and, you know, Reed Hoffman from LinkedIn was a huge mm -hmm. um, advocate for alumni relationships and building alumni networks for talent, right. Yeah. In his book. Um, and I just, when I show that as a feature on LinkedIn, people are just so like, Wow. Wow. And I actually had a client who worked off of alumni networks for six weeks and created 45 new meetings and landed six new clients just from his alumni network. 
he happened to have been the quarterback at a particular university and they had four great years and that was really his lead in, but guess what? It worked. And that alumni network was incredibly powerful. I love that. It it makes a lot of sense. And and I, I, one last thing just to, to, to note, um, and I think you probably experienced this a lot too with the, maybe with the smaller businesses, but, you know, a lot of, of nonprofit leaders um, are, you know, the technology is moving at such a rapid pace, right? How do you make decisions? How do you pick what to do and what not to do? And, you know, 10 years ago or 12 years ago, I was also kind of thinking about that. Wow. You know, how, what, what am I going to focus on? What really matters? A lot of my colleagues were chasing, you know, really big numbers like scale, like big email lists and big mobile lists and, you know, and, and likes and, and, and those are those things can be important. But what's enduring? What's really enduring? And our relationships and our mission critical relationships, that's what really matters. So one of the things is, as a strategic consultant focused on technology was always to sit down with the with leaders and say, let's take everything off the table. You don't have to do everything. Don't worry about TikTok right now. Don't worry. I mean, maybe that's the thing that you should do, but let's take everything on the table and just put back on the table the technologies that are most powerful for you, that would be most helpful in moving your organization forward. And for most nonprofits and social impact uh, organizations, LinkedIn is one of those technologies, one of those platforms because relationships are, are so critical. Um, and that's why, you know, I invested, you know, 10 years plus of, of my career focusing in on the platform and helping organizations to use it more effectively. I love that one question. I mean, that's a really powerful question. I love that. I think that's great. Well, we could continue on and you and I are going to do some more work together. I think we're going to, we're collaborating on a, on a webinar and some other things together. So it is great to spend time with you. I know that people are going to walk away from today, at least asking themselves one new question, right? And probably have gotten more than one or two great nuggets of information and perspective. And if you are a nonprofit, please reach out to Larry, definitely connect with him. But think about this because LinkedIn is a powerful, powerful tool. However, you probably need somebody to help you interpret it and figure it out and That's where people like Larry come into play and really, really important. It is a pleasure spending time with you, Larry, as always. And I thank you for your insight today. Thank you. And please say thank you to your wonderful team. I will. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. Connect with us on LinkedIn, get to know us there and on our website, interoadvisory.com. We have lots of valuable content and inside our membership site and even more beyond that. Thanks for listening. We appreciate a shout out on your preferred channel, a review or a comment on what you'd like to hear us discuss. You can listen in on Apple, Spotify, Google Play and other channels. Check out our tutorials on our YouTube channel too. Until next time, thanks for joining.